Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 180 of Hotline League. It's an exciting week for us here on the show because we're joined by someone I will introduce momentarily. But first, my constant co-host, Mark Zimmerman, is here. How's it going, Mark? It's going great. I feel great. I'm emotionally stable right now. It's it's good. a good time. We love emotional stability here on the show. It's all it's a a fantastic fantastic thing to have. How's uh, how was the week for you? You actually you were so how was the rest of your vacation? Because the last time we talked to you, you were doing a you were you were on a little trip. I was in Santa Barbara. Um, oh, nice. It was it was good. Um, gotta say, don't get the hype. Santa Barbara is pretty whatever. What did you do there? Walked around. Eight. There's a boat ride. Did the boat ride? I do the boat ride again. The rest yeah. of Santa Barbara, not so much. Uh, but on the other side of that mountain, where Solvang is, that little town that's like all Danish and shit, and then yes. there's wine tasting, and there's a campground like wine that's, tasting. That's Wait more my there. spot. Did yes. you go to Solvang? Because I know that it's like popping off right now. I actually just read an article about how like it's actually kind of overwhelmed. Hmm. When I was there, there was just fucking people everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Adult uh, Disneyland is the way that it was described uh, in this article, and people can look it up. I don't know if I go that far. There's no rides. It's, yeah, but the, it's there's like, drinking, which is, you know. You can drink at Disney. I drink at Disney. All right. I feel like if you took Main Street, I think that's what they're really saying. It's like, you know, like when you walk into Disneyland and there's like just that street of shit everywhere. Mm. That's, I guess, what it's kind of like. Nice. Well... I'm happy you had a good time. How many days were you there for? Like three. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Nice. Left on Thursday morning. A was, nice, yeah. nice little reprieve. Okay. Well. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so I'm not done yet. Oh. Uh, I don't know what happened, but on Saturday night, I did a workout. I ate a bunch of gnocchi, a bunch of pasta, tried to do an ab workout. And ever since then, I've been feeling a weird pain. I feel like icy uh -huh. coldness. And it kind of moves around in my body where it is. Uh, but it's all in my core. Uh, Wait, you said it moves around in your body, but it's all in your core? What is it? You have like a hernia no, or something. I, that's, so weird. hernia was my first guess, but I felt around. I didn't feel any lumps. Uh-huh. Just uh, the freezing cold iciness inside your Well, abdomen. it goes away sometimes. And it's more like a bit of an, a pain. Sometimes it's an iciness. Starts up high, then sometimes it's more on the side or straight below. So if there's any doctors listening who want to diagnose me, all the bad shit. I, I, I think it's terminal. <laughs> I, right. Yeah, that, that's well. That's if you have any advice as to what is going on with Mark and you're listening to the show, there's a real doctor listening. Yeah, please tweet at him. Uh, anyway, shout out to Game Fuel and Alienware for sponsoring the show. But I do want to uh, introduce our guest co-host for the evening, uh, which is Artemis. Evil Genius, a strategic coach after their 3-0 weekend. Felt, felt like a great time to have him on. Artemis, how's it going? Good. It's going great. This is my off day today. So had a relaxing morning with my girlfriend and then hung up in the afternoon and then just getting back to work, grinding ProView for this week. Um, I'll do the quick elevator pitch. Those of you guys who don't know me, I first started in the league with Clutch Gaming back in, what was it, 2019 now? Yeah, 2019. Um, joined LCS when they were in eighth place, who was part of the eighth to world miracle run. Um, after leaving Clutch Gaming, I helped uh, last year at Evil Geniuses kind of build EG, um, 
and get everything up and running there. And then this year, transition into a role as strategic coach, where I work with Peter Dunn, uh, Turtle, and Mash, our assistant coach. Um, and yeah, and you guys know the rest. Very good. Yeah, I'm hearing a slight echo as well. So I don't know if anybody has... It wouldn't be coming from me, but I don't know if anybody's audio is really loud or the mic could be picking it up or something like that. But um, I'm not... I'm not hearing it on my end, so there's a chance it's mm. me, but I don't know. It's very slight, uh, but I'm it's not, yeah. Echo. I don't know. Um, we will... Sounds fine for me. Hopefully troubleshoot. Uh, I don't hear it right now, but um, maybe maybe only when Artemis was talking. I don't know. We're going to figure it out. Okay, so um, Artemis, how has things been? Because you guys just had this 3 weekend. I'm sure life feels pretty swell right now. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, we're obviously pleased at the result. I think that this was, you know, it's our first 3-0 of the split, so it feels good to not lose a game on the weekends. But uh, I think that the hype's a bit overblown, like, as far as how we feel in the EG camp. Nobody's, like, super excited or ecstatic that we went 3-0. Um, we beat FlyQuest, CLG, and Golden Guardians, so we got the expected result of all three games, which does feel good because we have dropped games in the past where we were expected to win. So it's finally good to see some consistency, that's what I'll say. And I've also been really pleased with our early game. I feel like we're really making good progress in scrims and we're starting to see a lot of that on stage. Um, and, and I think you can see us improving week to week, which is more than you can say for most other LCS teams. So I think that's what I'm most excited about is we're improving, it's visible, and we're finally seeing con some consistency. Nice. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad. What do you think of, by the way, uh, it's interesting because you guys are, I think, on a bit of a rise. And, and this past weekend I tweeted... Something about how I was really excited for 100 Thieves, seeing their success. Uh, and Peter, your your coaching colleague, uh, tweeted at me and was like, what? No faith in evil geniuses. So I don't know if you feel like EG's on the rise and like by the time you guys hit playoffs, you're just going to crush everybody. Like, are, are people missing out on on 100 Thieves, or sorry, on EG right now and just too focused on 100 Thieves? Or, you know, what what do you think of all that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a bit of both. People definitely don't see how good EG is right now. Uh, I think we're definitely one of the best team leagues right now, but it doesn't matter because we're not even we're not even halfway done the split. And there are so many strong teams in the league. Wait, I think we are halfway that aren't performing split. right now. Like, it's nine weeks, right? And we just completed yeah, five. It's a it's a nine week season, right? It's a triple round robin. We haven't finished um, the second round. Maybe we are past a halfway point. Either way. Uh, there's a lot of season left, right? And Team Liquid right now, they're slumping. Um, I think we're better than Team Liquid, but Team Liquid can get a lot better. They can bring Alfari back in. They can improve. You know, the, I think they're a world-class team at their peak. Uh, and same for C9. C9, I don't think they're doing, doing very well right now. We're 2-1 two, two and one against C9 this year, and I also think that they're going to improve a lot by the time playoff comes. So it doesn't really matter how good we are relative to the league, even if we are one of the best teams right now. It doesn't matter because people are going to keep improving. So we just have to keep improving ourselves. And if we keep improving at this rate, I'm super confident uh, how we'll do in playoffs. But that is, that's something that's too far down the line, and right now we're, we're much more short-term oriented. Yeah. Well, I, I similar response to what Peter had said. So it sounds like you guys are uh, both on the same page yeah uh, now i'm trying to think if there's a mark i don't know if you have any questions for artemis before we kind of go over each of the worlds yeah that's what i'm talking about guy in the chat uh before you you go over anything mark uh but if if mark mark doesn't which it sounds like he doesn't you can hear me right mark 
Yeah, I, okay. I, I was saying um, and I was getting ready to talk whenever uh, you stopped. Talking. I didn't hear the. You I didn't hear just, the you um. Just, I didn't you just kept filling. You just keep keep talking. I you know. know, it's it's a it's a podcast show, uh, so whenever there's any silence, I panic. Uh, anyway, uh, no, I was just gonna say like, um, where because you talked about the the top three teams, which are like mm. what most people say is TSM C nine. T uh, hundred thieves, excuse me. TL right now with what's going on with their roster, probably not. Uh, yeah. Do you think that you're actually like in that conversation already? Or are you saying that like if the growth improves, that you think you can beat them? No, uh, we're, we're definitely already there. Okay. Um, like there, there's kind of like a big five right now with like the teams you said. There's C9, TSM, TL, hundred thieves, and EG. Um, and I think those are the teams that um, like realistically have chances. I don't think anybody besides those five have, have chances. Um, throughout playoffs, and and right now we can beat any of those top teams, and we can also lose to any of those top teams, um, which is just the, the nature of EG, right? But as far as how good we actually are, like I'll say it again, it doesn't matter. But yeah, I th I think we're one of the best teams in the league right now for sure. Very good. Well, I'm excited to uh, take some calls about evil geniuses because I'm sure we'll have some tonight. Uh, it's been kind of a quiet week, I think, for the LCS. We had like the 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 biggest drama I feel like was this perks. LCS lighting light situation, uh, which, which I mean, I don't want to belittle it. Like I, I did yeah. an interview with him and, uh, we talked a little bit about the situation, uh, but it definitely, it definitely is an interesting dynamic, whatever. He like makes a tweet, deletes it. And then Greeley has to come out and sort of talk about it. And I don't, I don't really know how it got to the place that it did. I know Greeley made some tweets about it, but, uh, that was interesting. I know there's some yeah. conversation about Dardock potentially joining <laughs> Europe. I, I feel like people are... Have we seen any any news around that? I don't know, Mark, if you caught any about it. But it's like he he got repped by like a European sports management agency. But I don't know if that necessarily means that like he's going... He's looking for opportunities in Europe. Um, so I don't I'm going to do the most ob obnoxious thing in esports and say, I heard a rumor... But I, I promised I wouldn't say anything. So, well, okay. there you go. I get to pretend I know what's happening. I, <laughs> I heard a rumor, but, but I can't say what it is and who told me it. So, yeah. Well, okay. Um. So, thank you for that, Mark. Really appreciate it. Uh, what else? Oh, and then I think one thing that I really appreciated was um the response to the video that I did this past week talking up where we, we finally released the results of the survey, the survey wherein I had like asked, I think we had like over 4,000 replies about why it is that people who are watching less LCS or not watching LCS at all, uh, why it is that they are, are feeling less interested and people can go check it out on my YouTube channel if they haven't yet. But, uh, basically what was, what was interesting, I, 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 I feel nervous talking about this because I know I'm just going to like it, it somewhat validated my my previously held opinions on that I've expressed on the show. So people are going to think it was super biased. But Tim, I think, should be able to also talk about the fact that like he saw our process process and our methodology. And we talk about at the start of the shows or start of the video as well. But it, it, it doesn't feel like people are actually uh, that upset that I mean, people are sad we don't do well. But it does not feel like a con uh, the biggest contributing factor to why people 
lose interest in the LCS, it seems like it's a lot more of like, hey, we're having a hard time finding players we want to root for or storylines that we really like or any number of different things. I think it, we had six or, or so things that were listed ahead of it on the on the list. So people can go check it out uh, on the channel. But if we have any callers that want to talk about that, I think that that would be really cool because I know we'd, we'd spent a while uh, waiting to get that out. And so I'm happy that we're able to uh, to finally start talking about it. Yeah, I was I was really interested in that video. I kept pushing you to like, hey, put that video out. I want to see the results. And so I have, I have some thoughts about it too. Okay. Um, so hopefully we can get a caller. Yeah. Uh, it, if we get that. a caller about it, then we can talk about it. If not, maybe we'll figure out a way to talk about it because Mark and I have not have not discussed it yet, either. But I think that was most of it. I mean, this past weekend we had EG go three zero, and then Hundred T went three zero as well. Yes. Yes. Correct. Uh, correct. The two three zero teams this past weekend. Um, I don't know Thieves were... player of the player of the week too. We were robbed. They keep giving it to Hundred okay. Thieves, but uh, Danny Danny's player of the week this week, right? Uh, clearly. No, no, no. Clearly. Yeah, you guys beat CLG Golden Guardians and FlyQuest. The three. Mark, what are you trying to say about CLG FlyQuest and Golden Guardians? Well, one's on a six-game loss streak, and one's on a ten-game loss streak, <laughs> and the other one is. Yeah, the other one's 10th place. The last one's 10th place. I didn't know that. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys looked really impressive in all those wins. But, Thank you. you know, uh, a little bit tougher competition for, for 100 Thieves this week. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I guess we'll see this week, right? Uh, EG plays 100 Thieves, so that should be fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm Actually, looking forward that to that. Actually, that is a fun matchup. I'm interested to see how that goes. What, what happened the last time you guys played? I actually don't remember. Uh, we're 1-2 against 100 Thieves this year so far. I think the last time we lost, I want to say. But yeah. yeah uh, we're 1-2 yeah. we're against them on the year. All right. Mark, am I Either way. any other major narratives? Uh, Not off the top of my head. I mean, we got some more production hate threads, as always, but that's hardly news. No, it's not. I And I... I actually, I'm kind of curious, uh, Mark, what you th what you think of that stuff? Like, is it like is is it a point in time where you're kind of personally disregarding it because you're like, ah, I'm seeing this again or whatever, or like, is it I, like I don't know if you feel like it's worth talking about on the show now because it's like it does it does seem to kind of repeat itself in terms of what people's frustrations are. I mean, there's some stuff that you look at and you just tell that they're not paying attention. Like, uh, there was in one of the threads, and I was talking to Emily about this. She was going to point out there was like a, a comment that was talking about like, uh, you they 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 need to like interview more players or something. Like, I'd love to hear Jazuke, and it was like, wait, we literally did that. Like, you just outed yourself to not yeah. actually watching. Yeah. So there's there's some of that stuff. I think overall production's been better. There's like the the downtime between games, right. um, and like part of that's the COVID situation, but. I did spend a lot of the weekend actually like timing out everything I could. And I timed yeah. our segments. I timed Phil. I timed ad reads. Mm -hmm. I timed, I went to LEC. I timed all their stuff. And so uh, I do think that there are some optimizations that can still be made regardless of the COVID situation. So I'm totally, sure. I'm not ignoring it. I'm not like writing it off. I always think that there's improvements to be made. So, um, you know, we talked about it. Uh, this already this week about mm. some things and there'll, there'll be some changes I think this weekend that people can look forward to I'll give I'll give my two cents I uh for, for me in the past I thought the LCS broadcast was basically unwatchable uh, at times it was terrible and, and this year it's dramatically improved um I understand the frustration with the time between games but from 
the team perspective, it's actually really, really fast. Like the stage is cleaned and sanitized. We get on stage, we sit down and we're doing like our tech check and our mic check. And basically as soon as their butts touch the seat, the refs are like, okay guys, like let's finish our checks. Like let's go, let's go. And we feel very rushed from the time we get on stage to when the match actually starts. So um, yeah, it's it's like, I understand the perspective of the viewers sitting at home, but like they are definitely trying to move things along because we are constantly being rushed on stage before a game and like we get it. It's like, it's nobody's fault, it's just the way it is. But uh, yeah, I think they're doing a decent job all things considered. It's not like we're just chilling on stage for, for 20 minutes and getting bored. Yeah, so someone in chat just have to respond. I won't say the name, but they're like, it's literally 40 to 60 minutes between games. No, I, mean, I timed all this out. Just wrong. Like, it's literally an hour what? between games. It's literally an hour, sixty whole minutes. Friday's games. games: game one, game two in the Twitch vod. Twenty-three or tw two hours, thirty-two minutes, nineteen seconds to two hours, fifty-three minutes, fifty-three seconds. Twenty-one thirty-four to turnaround time. Next game: twenty-one oh seven, twenty-one thirty-four. Last yeah. game: nineteen fifty-seven. So, like, and I've timed out what each what each of those twenty-one minutes were. So, yeah. I saw, don't try I saw, to play me Twitch chat. Yeah. I saw a really interesting tweet from Frost actually comparing the format of the, the breaks in LCS versus LEC, and I thought it was really interesting. I don't remember her um, like her exact takeaway, but it was it was to do with the timing of the breaks in LCS um, versus LEC, and how like LEC they they took a break, came back, and then like they did some like segment or interview, and then that flowed directly into the next game, whereas like um, LCS just like that second intermission was at a different time. So, um, you know, I think that they could play around with that. If, if this is like real um, and people are really being turned off by this, then I think that they could experiment with other structures as far as like the, you know, the, the segments that they do in between games and where they put their ads. But yeah, yeah. again, from my point of view, it's pretty quick. And just to, just to pause really quickly on the conversation, we, uh, it, I think because we started the stream kind of late, we actually don't have too many takes right now in the pleb topics and subtopics chat. And the, the secret is Mark sometimes pulls before um before we announce like going and putting takes in so go drop some some takes well, if you guys have some in plebs uh or subtopics because uh we only have a handful so far tonight um yeah I no i bring emily I, on I, she's I, there in I chat mean, emily if emily wants to call in it's it's good her and i are actually we're we're doing a rift reaction tomorrow with ender so people have a lot mm. to talk about in the lec actually speaking of the lec side uh some interesting news was the shalka sale and like I know we don't tend to talk too much about LEC stuff on the show, but I do think it's the first time where we've ever seen a number just listed publicly for the sale of this stuff. 26.5 million euro, I believe, is the price that the Schalke stuff sold for to, to Team BDS. So if somebody sure. has like a way to link that into the LCS stuff. Um, was the optic, optic number was never public? When I don't think so. It? I mean, it was reported. It was reported, okay. but there's never been a time sure. where like it's where like somebody just came out and was like, Hey, we spent this, sure. we, we just got this much money for this. Like Schalke literally said the number in their, their Twitter posts, which I thought was very interesting. So, um, and what, what is 26.5 million Euro? Uh, it's like one fifth of a transfer fee for a good player Jesus. in football it's so, or, or soccer. Oh, I, guess oh, I thought football. you were about to say the LCS. Yeah, me um, too. I thought you were about to be <laughs> like, ah. Come on. Things are no. so expensive. Thirty-one, close to thirty-one point five million USD. Um, yeah, very interesting. So, um, I do think I do think that's that's fun. So I know uh, we got some calls uh, or we got some takes already going into the chat, which is exciting. 
but other than that, uh, Ar- Artemis, while, while Mark starts pulling people, why don't I ask you, um, what has it been like working with Peter Dunn this year? Because I know previously you were kind of like heading up a lot of the stuff. Now I assume it's more of like a tag team thing with him perhaps managing stuff, but you also doing the strategy. Like, uh, I, I think he's been getting more and more attention, I think, for some of the stuff that he's been saying over here. So what what has your experience been with him? It's been it's been great working with Peter. Um, this is my favorite coaching group that I've worked in in my career, I'll say. So we have Peter, we have Turtle, we have myself, and we have Mash, and we have our head analyst, Naster. And the five of us kind of make up the, the coaching or front office group, um, you know, underneath our general manager at EG. And we have a, a really nice working relationship uh, among all of us. I think for myself, as you referenced, there was an adjustment period at the beginning where I was leading a team previously, and now Peter came in and rightfully wanted to take more of an active, um, just take more control in the direction of the team as far as um, day-to-day processes and also strategic direction. And um, it was challenging for me to grow into a new role where I felt like I was um, you know, affecting the team in a way that I could feel good about and in a way that the, the team felt good about. And, um, you know, as we naturally work that out, um, you know, Peter has a lot of different responsibilities at EG, not just with our LCS team. He also is working with our academy team. He's working with our amateur team. Uh, he's working with our coaches individually, helping them. Um, and while he's doing these things, um, I am leading a lot of LCS um, Peter leads probably 80, 90% of our group reviews. I probably lead, um, I don't know, the number 75, 80% of our drafts on a weekly basis. And I also lead drafts on stage. So um, from that perspective, I have a, a large bit of control of our strategic direction uh, as far as like the strategies we'll, we'll use in scrims or the strategies we'll use on stage. And that um, you know, is one of my areas of expertise. And it, it's a way that I feel good about the contributions I make because it's 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 a place where I feel like we have a comparative advantage against other LCS teams. And uh, I think that we do a great job of kind of dividing, conquering and spreading different jobs and responsibilities among our staff. And we just have a really nice varied staff with a lot of different skill sets and we work well together and it's very easy to kind of, you know, pick up slack when, when other people want to do different things. So it's been a super enjoyable year so far. Personally, I've learned a lot from Peter, not just for, uh, not just in-game stuff, but also just out-of-game stuff. Working with him has been great. Um, and yeah, super grateful that he's at EG. Nice. So don't flame drafts. Got it. Flame drafts. You're, you're flame drafts. We, we can talk about drafts. I don't mind. I, I personally, I, I love talking about drafts. So you can flame my drafts. You can flame other teams' drafts. We can talk draft. That's Who's always the fun. worst drafts in the league. The worst in your eyes. I, I mean, there's there's too many to count, right? Like. Uh, who's I, who's I don't, drawn your ire in particular recently? Just just off the top of your head. Who, who's someone that you watch I mean, and you're like, Ugh! It's inconsistent, but there's head scratchers every week. Like, let me go, let me look at like some week five drafts. Um, I mean, I, I think that this week there was a new patch, right? So I was totally shocked by what most teams were doing because I think that there's very few teams with an accurate read on the patch. But... Um, I'm not going to call somebody out like that. Like, if we want to talk specifically about one team, like, I'll give some criticism, but I'm not just going to blast, like, oh, yeah, fucking FlyQuest. They're shit. Like, I, it's not it's not what I'm here to do. So That's punching down, too. You need to punch up at one of the other teams and flame yeah, their yeah, draft. Yeah, exactly. Fly, FlyQuest in a tough place. Uh, they're just in free fall. And I feel like nobody's really... I don't know. I feel like nobody's even really yeah. talking about them. Like, it's interesting because, like, the dig free fall, I think, got a lot of attention because the Saligo Dardock <laughs> stuff. But like the FlyQuest, just 
plummet, I feel like, is just, no pun intended, but flying under the radar. Like, it's just nobody's really even talking about it. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we'll get a call about that. We'll we'll find out. Sad, sad, to, sad situation after I think they earned so much uh, goodwill from the community last year. So, um, you, you, you ready? Should I, should I get a caller? Yeah. Yeah, I think we're ready. So. Uh, first off, thank you to some subs while Mark is away. Uh, where are we? For some reason, Twitch is not sorting these out anymore. So, uh, Will Will Young Fox or Will Young, Ari Waddle, Gengariffith. Uh, one year. Thank you, Gengariffith. Love it. Oh, Ari Waddle was three years. Holy shit! Uh, Careless Sobriety Power Spike and Clitter Punch. I will uh, read out some more of you guys in a second. <laughs> Mark and I made the exact same face. The exact yeah, same I, came back, I came back as the first word I hear as I joined the, the chat again. Well, uh, Ushawat is here. Wait, you've been, were you on the show a long time ago? No. Okay, your name just sounds really familiar. Maybe it was like a sub or something. Anyway, uh, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Nice. Well, what do you want to talk about on the show? So my take is that EG is a top three team, and I think they're going to make worlds along with, uh, uh, God, I almost forgot for a second, oh, t- uh, Team Liquid and 100 Thieves. Team Liquid and 100 Thieves. Ooh, so Sneaky 9 not making worlds. With Evil yeah. Geniuses. TSM not no making sneaky, worlds. No Sneaky No Worlds, man. TSM Actually, no, wait, on my original post, I put TSM. My bad, sorry. I'm nervous. My oh, okay, so wait, so wait. Who is yeah, it? Yeah, TSM. I, uh, it's TSM, uh, 100 Thieves, and uh, EG. EG. Okay, so yeah, Team Liquid and C9 not making worlds. Correct. That would be wild because I'm pretty sure it would be the first time ever that two of the big three don't go. Is that right, uh, Mark? I, in my mind, I've somewhat like merged CLG and TL because CLG was originally in the original collection of three. Yeah, because I think they're... There would have been, I think, 2016 would have been an Immortals, TSM, and CLG. No, because C9, C9 made and it TSM every have year. always gone, right? Like, I mean, other no, than... TSM, TSM has missed T- in 2019. Yeah, TSM yeah, missed clutch. one, and C9 missed one, but they didn't miss at the same it. time. <laughs> so I mean, it was definitely yeah. the first time we spent, like, two, I guess, like, non-major orgs, right? Like, 100 Thieves is relatively new. EG is relatively new. Right. That's, we've never seen two new teams, so that's... Yeah. It would first. definitely be shocking, for sure, but I, I genuinely think it's going to happen, because I think there's no doubt that 100 Thieves is the best team right now. I don't think many people would, would argue that that hard. So I think right now, they're pretty much a shoe-in. Uh, but after that, I think there's a major drop-off, and that's where I, uh, I look to TSM and EG. Because I think a lot of their issues are inconsistent games. And, uh... I write about EG for the game house too, so I'm I'm pretty biased on this topic too. So I think that's also worth throwing out. But uh, like so my thing is with EG and and TSM is that I genuinely think they can beat every single team in the LCS, including 100 Thieves, in a best of one. But where they're going to struggle is doing that in a best of five, and also a best of five then uh, rules out the losing to a team that they shouldn't like. Uh, for example, Immortals has been a historic weakness for EG, especially in the spring split. They went 0-2 against them, despite them, you know, being a better team, I think, in the spring. Uh, so, like, that eliminates that variable. Um, those those games that they shouldn't be losing, and sure, okay, they drop one in the best of five. Then they just clean up the next three or the next two or whatever it is. So I think that adds a lot of uh, value to a team like EG. And also, uh, the contract subbing. It's a huge strategic thing, uh, being able to swap in and out and 
and do that if Sven Skarin is falling behind or not performing at his top level, then I, I see that as nothing but a plus and causing another team to, you know, spend more time prepping for someone else, I think is beneficial. Uh, it's uh, so I'm kind of curious. Do you have any concern about C9 powering up now that they've gotten? No. Okay. Uh, do um, you... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, my reason for C9 not doing too well is that I, I just think they're falling off. I don't, I don't see much improvement week to week. And it's not like there's something I can, I can look at and say, there we go. That's the C9 I know. And it just really hasn't happened yet. Sure. I think there have been better games recently, but I don't think we're going to see that that MSI or, you know, Spring Finals. Even Spring Finals, I think they're a bit iffy. Level C9. And this is a C9 also that didn't really make it that far at MSI. Had a lot of bad games at MSI. If that happens again in playoffs, then they're screwed. And I don't know. I just don't think they have that. Even though inconsistency can be good in the best of five, I just, I think their lows are really, really low. And their newer highs recently are you know fine to beat the, the bottom five okay. teams and let they're me, fine to maybe take a game off a of TL, but not not recently. Like let not, me ask like, you one one other question, which hopefully you'll have a, a quicker answer for. Are you concerned all right. at all about? I'm just teasing. Um, are you concerned at all about TL if they get Alfari and Santorin back? No. Okay. Uh, I, I I think pre, uh, banking on subs right now, which uh, Santorin is. At the moment, and Alfari coming back, I guess, is technically kind of a sub as well. I think banking on that to come back for them to make the run is is kind of iffy and kind of a coin flip. So I'm I'm under the assumption he's uh, Santorin specifically isn't going to come back. With Alfari coming back, I think they do get better, but I don't think it's going to be a night and day difference because a lot of the issues haven't just been in the uh, top lane position. Okay. Um. Artemis, if you guys make worlds, whose spot are you taking? Who are you, who's, who are you stealing? What do you mean? Who's, who, who owns the spots? Uh, the the spots obviously belong to TL, C9, TSM. Because yeah. they're the big three. So okay. who, who is, is 100 Thieves stealing one spot, and then are you stealing the other? Like, who's, who's joining you from the old guard? I mean, I really don't see the stealing spots, right? But um, <laughs> That's happy. I'm glad I, you don't see it that way. It's a tough question because, like I said at the start of the hour... Like, there's so much season left. Like, we're playing a triple round robin, and we're not even finished the second round robin. We have, like, you know, four weeks of a triple round robin left. Um, a lot can happen in, in those four weeks. What if it does? What back. if nothing happens? If nothing happens and nothing changes, then 100 Thieves and EG go to Worlds, for sure. Um, no no question. And but, TSM is, would be the third in that uh, it. I mean, right now, yes. But I would not count out C9 or TL at all. In fact, I think it's more likely that one of TL and C9 goes to Worlds uh, than they don't go to Worlds. Um, yeah, I just have a lot of faith in... Specifically, I have a lot of faith in C9. Um, I think that they have world-class players on that roster. I'm biased. I used to coach, coach Vulcan back on Clutch. But um, specifically, I think C9's bot lane has the potential potential is the wrong word because they've been like basically world-class in the past but c9's bot lane is, is really fucking good right um i don't think they always play their wave correctly and I, I don't think they're infallible by any means but as far as how they play trades and as far as like how they understand their 2v2 matchups i think that they're the best in league when it comes to those two things and i'm expecting c9 to have a really strong resurgence especially once it comes to playoffs like they're they're nowhere near the form that they had like pre MSI and like even at MSI and like yeah I know that like they lost to Pentanet at MSI and like I know that it wasn't like 
as strong as it's showing as some NA fans might have wanted, but they were also beating top teams, and we never got to see them in a best of series. We only got to see them in best of ones. And we really couldn't accurately judge how good, like, C9 might have been in, in at their peak at MSI because we didn't get to see them in a best of. And um, kind of with that, I think that some teams will excel in best of five and some teams will struggle in best of five. You look at a team like 100 Thieves, for example, and first of all, I do think that Reaper is a good drafter. I think that when I look at 100 Thieves drafts, they're cohesive. I can understand what he's thinking. Um, it's easy for me to kind of break it down and say, okay, he thought this, this was his assumption, these were his conclusions, this is why he did what he did, boom, boom, boom. I, I can follow it. That's more than I can say for a lot of teams in LCS, so um, I respect his ability to draft. But as far as how 100 Thieves wins games, um, they, they just punish mistakes really, really well. And they're very consistent at closing out the game when, when they get a lead. And I don't think that that is a reliable way to beat strong teams. You have to be able to play with pressure, transfer your pressure, and actually do something in the early game. And manufacture a lead for yourself, and then close out against a team who's not going to make mistakes and give you a free win. And it remains to be seen if any of the top teams can do that. Like right now in the LCS, we are just gifted game after game. Like if you look at EG's game this weekend, we were gifted, um, I don't know, our early games in Friday and Saturday were both super easy. We got gifted plays. And then come mid late game, we got gifted two free Barons. Like the, the first Baron, um, we just killed their jungler right at 20 minutes. We're like, okay, thank you for Nash. And then our Saturday game, their bot lane is hitting our bot T1 turret where we're overloaded on top side. And we're like, okay, thank you for the free Nash. So, and you see this with every team. It's not just EG. And until teams stop just gifting each other games and until we get the best of series, we probably won't know who's good. Um, if I had to put money on it, I would say EG. I mean, my gut tells me 100 of these isn't going to make it, but... Whoa. Um, I, I know it's a hot take. It's, it's just my gut. Like, like I said, 100 Thieves is, is a good team right now. They're definitely one of the best teams in the league, undisputed. But my gut's telling me that C9 and TL are, are both going to make some, some strong pushes. And you can't count TSM either. So I think it'll be EG, C9, and either TSM or TL. Uh, I don't know. God. Okay. Wow. It would come oh, to my man. head, right? Because, like, again, that's going to be clifted and shift. But... I preface everything by saying there's so much season left. It doesn't matter how good people are right now. All that matters is how much you can improve and how quickly you can improve. Uh, but I'm confident in what EG's been doing, and I'm confident what we'll continue to do. All right. You say it doesn't matter yeah. how good teams are right now. I bet you you'd rather be 100T than FlyQuest uh, right now. So I do think it matters to some extent how good you are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sure. clearly clearly talking about the top teams, I feel like um, I agree about like with how much seasons left like c9 looks a little bit better than tl tl hasn't beaten any of the t i think they beat eg in the most recent round robin i think it might have been no you guys um, i think last time wait sorry what did you i misunderstood you TL, tl hasn't beaten another top team other than i think you guys in the most recent round robin but that's their only win against these other teams okay they oh, definitely wow. beat us i'm not sure about their rest of their games yeah so, well, so they tl beat CLG. is just sorry I'm kidding. Continue. <laughs> the point is, TL is the furthest, I think, for me uh, on this, like, ranking of where they are. I mean, it is the one with the most pieces to return because C9 is yeah. back at, like, quote-unquote, full full strength right now. Right. Uh, TL is missing a lot of stuff. So they do have the most, like, runway uh, to, to ramp up with, but they are also the furthest behind right now. Um, EG actually looks better than them. Um, and also just in terms of gameplay, TL... Drafts sometimes have been really fucking weird, like the the protect the nothing comp and um, the Seraphine Lulu Leeson. Yeah, with yeah. the Varus Varus poke, like they they they've had some weird ones that I just think like the game the draft kind of gets away from them. So uh, they they look like they're the furthest. C nine, 
I was feeling so good about them this weekend until the TSM game. And like, maybe I'm just an apologist, but that's one of those games where I look at that and I'm like, Vol controlled that shit so hard that it just became almost unwinnable, even though I thought they had a better draft. I mean, just, just to interject before you finish your point, like, that game should be over in 17 minutes. Are you kidding me? Like, TSM should smash that game. Sydney should smash that game, and it took them 40 minutes to close. So, like, when I watch that game, I don't see, like, C9 struggling. I see TSM struggling to, to win a game that they should win in 17 minutes. Yeah, so this is a... I love this game. I've talked about this game way too much already on the dive, and mm. I'm going to keep talking about it because I love this game because I thought it was really interesting for that reason. Because, mm. like, C9 just said, fuck you, and stacked literally <laughs> every objective for the next 15 minutes. They, they stacked yeah. third Drake, fourth Drake... Yeah. They got they kind of lost the fight, which is where they lost their first Baron. Then they sacked second Dragon, and they didn't fight until 30 minutes at Elder. Yeah. And I feel like TSM had like this, you know, it was, mostly... it was Cloud Soul too, right? They yeah. So they didn't give a shit. Yeah. 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 So like it was it was this game where I feel like TSM was like they're gonna face check us, we're gonna throw Callista at them with Nautilus, and then like they just never did, and yeah. they only defended in Hibs. Exactly, and that's what I mean. Like teams are so used to getting gifted free wins, and C9 wasn't giving TSM a free win. Like like TSM had to actually like retake vision correctly, they had to like pressure correctly, and they had to play a forcing line that would cause C9 to do something because C9 was happily just gonna trade and cross map until TSM played a forcing line and they didn't actually play that line until 40 minutes in the game when they could have done it at, you know, way, way earlier. I'm, I, an LPL team just blows that game open and it's over before it even begins. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's always fun to, to have those sort of conversations and think like, you know, theoretically, like what it means, even though one team lost. It's, it's, for me, it's really about the quality of the, the win more, more so than the result. Here's a, one more question I'll ask you about that game because I, I, got, I got into a debate about it on the dive. The victor last pick into the Azir. Um, it felt weird. Like, it's obviously... I mean, the it's, just, it's just Peewee against Jensen. Like, what do you... No, not Jensen. Um, just, just Peewee in general. Yeah, against um, Perks, but... Yeah, against Perks, but... It, if, it felt weird given that, like, the rest of their comp is dive, and then you pick, like, a scaling mage that... Yeah. You know, because it's, it's Viego Volley, I think it was, and then Nautilus Kaisa, and it's like, wait, you, got, yeah. you guys all want to go in. Well, I mean, and then, seen on 4 or 5 Trundle Azir, which made sense with their... Their Aphelios Thresh. And when, I mean, you're, I, personally, like when I see Aphelios Thresh Trundle is here, I don't want to pick a diving champion. So PoE is probably looking at the enemy team draft as well as his own, like, champions. And you don't want to dive against a zero Aphelios Thresh Trundle, right? It sounds absolutely impossible. And is just going to play a mage. He's, he's a mage player. If you blind pick a mage against PoE, he's going to pick a mage. He's not going to play Echo. So um, I thought it was very, very expected. It's a bit surprising that Perks blinded a zero on four or five, but with their top side and with their one, two, three, I think it makes sense. And we've been seeing a bit more of a zero globally I think too. It's a takeaway too because yeah, it, it would be better for their team comp for yeah. uh, TSM's team comp too. Okay, I was I was curious because I was I threw out like Echo. I threw out like maybe just fucking ignore the Trundles. It's not like Jizuke, the man. Do you think Poe is picking Echo in no, LCS? No, I'm not. Like, I'm not saying he should, but I'm saying uh, like. Okay. If if this was like another team around the world, like mm -hmm. do they just take the victor there, or do they actually just try and force the dive? No, I think no. I mean, there, there's better theoretical picks for sure, but but you have to always keep in mind the context of the roster. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Okay. This uh, was a fun conversation. Well, now that you guys have had had the the back and forth, on that, which out. I think was great. I think it was great. Um, I I will say. Oh, actually, I guess Mark, we we grilled Artemis a lot on this, but what do you what do you think is likely? Does EG, is EG going? Are you trying to politely derail it so you don't have to vote against them? What were we talking about? What was the call? Yeah, I don't even remember yeah, yeah. what the call was. Yeah. The call was EG. It's something of a draft, right? Going. Yeah, I think so. 100T uh, TSM. So, 
gun to my head right now, 100 Thieves, C9, TSM. Cringe, man. Super cringe. <laughs> Super cringe. That's not I living mean, evil. Like, here's my problem, Artemis. You're saying, like, you don't think 100T is going to go, which tells me... But that's totally emotional, right? I, I provided zero logic or rationale. I just said yes. my gut right. was telling me they wouldn't so that's go. That's what the show's about. So, um, absolutely. I'm <laughs> but, but I actually, like, whether it is the top three or the big three are bad this split, or whether it is that, you know, EG and 100T are rising up or whatever... It feels like there's so much competition right now for those final three spots. Uh, and I feel like it's really difficult to predict. And so that's why it's like hard for me to want to throw EG into the mess because like in in this chaos, I just am more like like if you told me Hunter T doesn't even go to Worlds, like it's what I tweeted and said that I think it would be really exciting if they like won the split or something like that, right? But like is is if you told me that the the three teams that go to Worlds this year are TSMC9 and TL, I would believe you because it just feels like it it feels like they have so much experience and like they are most likely to survive the chaos in, inside. And we have like TL playing with ankle weights on right now. Um, and I don't know if they'll get those off by the time that playoffs come, but like it's it's just a really, you know, I I'm I'm a little disappointed and perhaps I am as at fault as as anybody is on this, but like the narrative right now should be like, holy shit, we've got four weeks left. Who's actually going to be the the best teams going into playoffs? Um, yeah. And and I know we keep saying like, oh, there's so much season. There's so much season. There's a lot of games, but there's only four weeks. Um, and so I, I just I think we we are coming down to the wire. You know, maybe after this week, maybe maybe after this week, we're down to the final three, and then that's when people will start to lose it. But like, I have no idea who's going to Worlds. Um, but Hunter T looks pretty good, so I'm surprised that they're, they're your emotional. I don't think they're going to go thing. Yeah, they definitely had a strong start, and they're definitely consistently winning games, and they're beating everybody, including top teams. It's not like they're only beating bottom teams either. Um, yeah, and. Uh, I mean, we'll see, right? Like, like you said, we really don't know right now who, who's going to go to Worlds. There's just too much season to be played and too much time to improve. Well, it's fun to start talking about it now because uh, you Agreed. guys have not so long to figure it out. Okay. Oshawott, uh, thanks for the call. I know we, we ran it all over the place, but... No, you're good. You're good. Is there anything you want to shout out before we take a quick break? Check out thegamehouse.com, shameless plug, um, and check out my EG articles. They're pretty all right, and sometimes I get an interview with the players, so... Are you uh, not bad? There's uh, is it Game House that has like dedicated people to each for each team? team yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought cool. I saw that. Um, I don't know if it was you that followed me recently on Twitter or somebody did, and they were like dedicated to covering. Maybe it was EG or Hunter T or something like that. But I thought that was kind of a cool model that they're doing over there. So yeah, it's it's uh it's nice because it gives you the ability to just focus in on one team and. Yeah. You know, and, and still enjoy the entirety of the LCS, but not have to worry about, you know, jumping all over and kind of focus in, listen to all the interviews on one thing, all the press. And uh, it's it's nice. I like it. Well, it follows kind of like the traditional sports media side yeah, of like, for sure, you know, for sure. Somebody goes and follow. They're just all they do is they cover the Angels, you know, or the Dodgers or something. So mm -hmm. anyway, thanks so much for the call and we'll catch you next time. All right. You have a good one, man. See you. All right. Alienware. Is our sponsor. Thank you so much to Alienware for sponsoring the show. Uh, they actually right now have something called Black Friday in July 
happening. If you go over to alienware.com slash Travis, uh, I think they haven't updated the banner at the top yet, but you can still click over to the, the Alienware side of stuff. There's a link in the description and you can check out their systems, but they've got sales going on all the time through through this period, which I believe lasts until, I don't want to say it's a couple of weeks. I should know this, but I don't have it right in front of me. But either way, it's going to be for a while. So if you head on over, you'll be able to, to see all their Black Friday and July sales. And like normally, I think people, I'm, it's kind of cool that they do this because I think a lot of folks kind of think to themselves like, oh, you know, do I want to do anything in July? If I like, maybe I need to wait until the holidays or something like that. But no, actually, a great time to go over there, check out some of the stuff that they've got going uh, for for the deals that are are happening right now for Black Friday in July. And uh, I'm sure if you follow their social channels as well, that'll be another great way to find deals and kind of track them. But my suggestion is to just keep an eye out on their page because they have these kind of like limited time uh, deals going. So right now, as I speak, they have, for instance, I'm pulling it up right now, an Alienware M15 R6 gaming laptop marked down, uh, and that's going uh, for just a, a specific period of time, and then they will wipe that out. In fact, right now, uh, an Alienware Aurora R10, at 93% claimed right now, you can save 370 bucks on that. It brings a 1869 down to 1499 So. Really cool to see that they're doing this. M17R3, all sorts of stuff uh, on sale on their site as part of the Black Friday and July deals. And I know that they're refreshing that page frequently. So anyway, shout out to Alienware so much for sponsoring the show. Really appreciate it. And uh, we we love them as our sponsor. They've done so much for us throughout the years. Anywho, Mark, you want to go grab the next caller? He, off he goes. He didn't even say anything. He was muted, I think. He didn't realize it. Okay. Where were we? TSM Carbonate. Thank you for the Prime. Uh, Big Angry Hobo. Thank you for the resub. Uh, I am Justin T for the resub. One year. Thank you so much, I am Justin T. Uh, Zamelkai, I believe is the way you say it. Nymad. And so many things. Mark has just lost his camera. But that's okay. Because Carsa Fanboy is here. Carsa Fanboy, where are you calling from? Um, I'm calling from New York, New York. New York, New York. I haven't been to New York in so long, I miss it. Uh, welcome back to the show. I know you've called in previously. What do you want to talk about on the show? Um, so I was actually waiting for your video to come out on the LCS, and it was really interesting. And uh, let me just get back to my take. Um, I saw that one of the biggest complaints was that there aren't enough likable or interesting players. And I think a lot of people attribute this to the broadcasts and the teams not pushing your players into the spotlight, but I think I heavily disagree with that because I think the broadcast especially has been trying to highlight them a lot. And I actually think that the biggest problem right now with like fans and getting invested in these players is that they're just not interacting with the community to the level that players like Doublelift, Sneaky, and Medios, all those greats were. And if when we don't have that, it's hard to build a fan base. There is very few players that can just build a fan base uh, off being good. And like Bjergsen was an example of one, but it's very rare. It shouldn't be the expectation. The expectation should be that you are interacting with the community and through that you can build a fan base but it doesn't seem many of the newer players are are 
doing that or, or and i i just like to ask this as like a question what was the last new player that came into the league that you think really was able to build a fan base native na probably demonte i guess the first one comes to mind he's not yeah. anymore i'm not sure if that counts uh licorice had kind of started to when he was on c9 and was like making some effort to do it I don't know when which one of those players arrived first because Demonte has been around for a while now, but um, and I just feel like things went awry for Licorice in his final year at C nine, or at least when when yeah, I don't know. Um, people in the chat are talking. Oh yeah, Spica. Spica is actually probably the best example of that because he's doing it right now. If you're talking about uh, native North America, I actually think Spica is one of the few players that does a great job of like thinking about this stuff. Um, I actually have an interview with him coming out this week, but he does a really good job of tweeting things, putting memes out there, kind of like trash talking folks. Uh, he made the um, he made the, the video, for those that don't know, he, that TSM Legends video where it's like a parody of why they're like benching him or whatever, and it shows you know him like choking Birks and all that stuff. That was his idea to do that. And so he he thinks very frequently i think about ways to do fun things and build a brand and i'm really happy that he's doing that stuff but it is like he is the exception of the rule there are not very many players that are doing that my suspicion is is that the league is in a place now where like <laughs> you're we we optimize so much for performance right like if you don't do very well for very long you end up on a different team or you end up in academy or something like that. And I, I get the feeling that players just feel like, why should they go do that when they could just be like, I'm not going to fucking worry about the community. I'm not going to worry about brand building. I just need to look good on this team because I'm getting paid half a million dollars a year and I don't want to lose that money. So Mark, you're pointing. Take in the other direction a little bit. So I think, um, you know, speaking is a good example. I think TSM's, Doc, I'll admit, I haven't watched this, but someone else was telling me this recently, that they've actually done a good job of airing, like, conflict and tension within the team and, like, real conversations, which we were talking previously about them shying away from, so I want to give a shout-out to TSM Legends. I'm actually going to start watching it for that reason. Tomorrow I'm going to grind an MMO and watch their doc, or their TSM Legends. But, uh, so speak, like you said, doing a good job. I feel like a lot of the younger players, some of them do meme and tweet a fair amount, like, um, you know, you talk about speaker, but also I feel like Insanity has done it. Revenge is doing it. Um, Revenge is actually like, trying, yeah. I feel like there are a couple, and I just think the community doesn't care about them because they're not winning or on a top team or on a, on a popular team. So I feel like for some of the younger players, it's not really their fault. I think the scene is just a little different than the past. Like, if any of these guys streamed, I don't think the community would really give a fuck. I actually don't know how much Insanity streams. Uh, but I bet even if he did stream a lot, a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't really care. People are saying Tactical does a good job. Tactical does do a good job memeing and stuff too. So I feel like there are, and, and I think he's seen some return on investment, I guess you would call it. But I'm going to throw some shade at some of the older players. I feel like the ones who didn't retire have largely just kind of stopped showing their personality. Um, I feel like, for example, and I'm not trying to like throw shade, but I'll just mention a couple. Like Afro, I, I hardly ever see anymore um in in content and stuff uh whereas he was like you know a, a huge like, he was huge back in the day um and turtle 
I checked his yeah. Twitter today. He hasn't tweeted in 2021. <laughs> he, has 400, he has 400,000 followers. <laughs> hasn't tweeted in 2021. Yeah, Afro, uh, hasn't, Afro hasn't had like a... Uh, he's retweeted people, but he hasn't tweeted himself since May fourth. Unless I mean, I know that Afro is really people. active on, on. He's active on YouTube. That, that's what I'll say. Um, Afro, Afro is released. Yeah, he releases like three or four videos a week. I think. Um, that's good. So, yeah, that's good. That's how that's much? Good. How much is he streaming? I gotta assume I those are all stream highlights. They're, they're, I, they're stream highlight videos. Uh, I think he streams yeah. pretty consistently. I think I follow him on Twitch. I, I see him on my like my follow channels tab pretty. Yeah, consistently. Afro replies to some people, but. And the, no, again, I mean, I'm Afro's not, better. I, yeah, there, there's layers. I'm not trying to throw shade at yeah, Afro. Yeah, yeah, I just mean, like, yeah, like, um, th like people, I feel like the old guard, a lot of the most popular ones, um, a lot of them retired. I think a lot of people pulled back from the community for good reasons about like Reddit just not being the place where like you used to have AMAs and pros would chat and talk and like no one goes on Reddit, but I'm not going to criticize any pro for, <laughs> for that, yeah. uh, you know, just willingly stepping on a landmine. So I feel like a lot of the pullback is understandable, um, but you know these are some of the biggest personalities and people in the scene who are not necessarily super active on socials or whatever it is. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I'm thinking it... the oh, go, go ahead, ahead Travis. Oh, I was just gonna say Wild Turtle has 500k followers on Twitch, and I feel like he used to stream a lot. Am I crazy for thinking that? I feel like he used to stream a lot, and it looks like he hasn't streamed in forever. Uh, when I pull up recent clips from him, it's like two years ago. Seems to be when the last time I'm seeing any like clips from him. And maybe he had to do some like purge for DMCA stuff or something like that. But like, I don't know. I mean, he has like half a million followers on on Twitch, and like it doesn't seem like he's really streaming at yeah. all. So I just yeah. think there's a negative feedback loop for engaging with the community when you're not on a, a good team. So like for for Turtle, like I totally understand why he's not like engaging with the community because he's on CLG and CLG's CLG's not good, and it, it, at least right now, right? And it must not be fun to be in his position, and I, he's probably fatigued as well. He's been doing this for so many years. Like th this stuff is additive, and the longer you're exposed to negativity on social media, the the less um, you know you want to be involved in it. And I think that for for the younger players, it's it's totally different. Where it's less about fatigue and it's more about like. You know, if you don't win, you don't eat. To to put it frankly, like these guys are not playing, like, uh, you know, they're they're playing to be employed and to to have food on the table right now, and they really can't afford to be focusing on building their brand because if they lose, like, they're just not going to play anymore, and then it doesn't matter if they've managed to have like a 500, you know, viewer stream. Like that's great. That that's like a lot of progress. You can build that in a year, but is that going to carry you very far? Probably not. So. I think that they do have their priorities in order, and I respect them for focusing on their play because, again, if you don't win, you don't eat. And I think the conversation should really be directed at like, like who benefits, like outside of the players, like from like the brand building of players, and like where does that onus lie, right? Like I think that organizations benefit from it too. Um, you know, you can see like TSM. TSM does a great job of leveraging its players because they themselves like benefit from having personalities on their team through content, social media being able to leverage that and sell sponsorships it's similar with the league itself right with lcs like the lcs is able to leverage player personalities into viewership into numbers into engagement and then again sell that to sponsors so i do think that it's not um fair to put all the blame on players because they're playing for their livelihoods um and like same for same for academy players like these guys if they don't 
like win right now if they don't prove they're good right now like they will just be kicked to the curb with no safety with nothing to fall back on for a lot of these guys like so many of these guys came straight from high school didn't go to college some of them didn't finish high school and i think it's really unfair to expect them to be like trying to be the very best at something which is like you know admirable in itself but now to go and like expect them to try and build their social media presence and, and all this other stuff like when they're already have all these obligations from trying to be the best like i i don't see it there's not enough hours in the day so well um, i no, i understand I mean, the frustration with the older players though because it's it's less for them about if they don't win they can still eat right they, they have amassed quite quite a bit of safety. i uh i was talking i mean i agree with you and that Yusuke in chat says individual players aren't given enough incentives to create content before streaming was a much more significant revenue source relatively while it's much uh, lower now with increased salaries. And that's exactly, exactly the case. I actually had this conversation with Peter recently because I, uh, or double lift, because I was um, talking to him about like how it, it feels bad because obviously my job is to try to like pull personality from these players and like help, help, you know, create content around them and interviews and like tell the story and all that stuff. And that job used to be way easier because it used to feel like the players wanted to take advantage of the interview as a way to like create, be funny and charming and like um, really help build fandom. And it made me think about like when, when Double Have started, like the way you made money as a pro was streaming Mm-hmm. and boosting by the way but nobody ever really talks about that um but we call it making guides travis how uh, dare you making guides on other people's accounts anyway and and so you were able to like or I, do you guys remember when Bjerg used to stream like i don't know 15k or something like that and people would do the math and realize he's making probably more money streaming than from his salary because salaries back then were way lower there used to be a lot of financial incentives to build a following and now the financial incentives are inversed the financial incentives are get on a better team so that you can get that million dollar contract your agent can can sign you that way and uh you know i've i've talked to mark about this and i might have even made this mention on the show before but like i i frequently think about smash bros and i think about what would happen if the lcs imploded and i actually think a lot of the players would become way more popular because they're what they would need to do is build brands for themselves and stream and like get fans to care about them the way that that scene has because that would become the way that they build their livelihood um versus and they'd have far more time to do it by the way because it'd probably be a lot of like tournaments here and there rather than three days a week you're you're playing in the league and uh it's just something to think about i'm not saying we should implode the lcs and go to like a, a tournament model where there's a couple tournaments a month or every couple months, but um, it is it is sad I think to see that people care a lot less about the players now, and it's yeah it's because those players care a lot more about winning now. Yeah. The other thing I'll throw in there is that I do feel like, and it's not even really the broadcast fault necessarily with how things were in COVID, but like I think that it was harder to get player narratives out there because. Previously, after a game, a player would like walk into the features room and basically get interviewed, and that could be used for the next day. And you could hear players reflect on the game, have funny things, whatever it is, you would get that. And then when we all went remote, like a lot of that died. And I think we're doing a good job bringing that back. I think Emily has been great about 
pushing for player stuff. Her lightning round, which she refuses to call lightning rand, uh, where she asks player stuff, which Wait, impact now I'm gonna call did, it lightning like, rand. What's that? Yeah, so lightning impacts, rand. Yeah. Thank you so much for throwing that out there. Yeah, I'm um, just 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 a little social pressure yeah. uh, to call it lightning rant. Uh, but yeah, she she had a great thing where she sits down with the player. She asks non-league specific questions, and it yeah. gets cut up and made interesting, so you can connect with these people beyond like, did you win or lose today? And I think that plus more features, plus getting players on the desk, like I think all these things are going to help build these players' personalities because, like we're saying, there's less incentive for them to do it themselves. Yeah. Agreed. Why I is think replay files going year? on hiatus, Mark? Ooh, I mean, they can only film so many, right? They probably that's all they have. They're doing assume. something else. There, there's yeah. something else that Kobe's, Kobe. Kobe has called. a show that they're doing it there instead. Uh, yeah, which, I think. So I don't files. want to shit on it because uh, I live with the man. So, um, but I did. I liked Replay Files a lot because I think it did a great job of building the player personalities. Whereas, like, the media next level, I think is the name of it. Like, I'm disappointed that there's a lack of players on that show, and then there's not players ever on the Friday show. So. I was a little bummed when I was like, oh, that's the one that's going on hiatus. Uh, but happy for Kobe. Yeah. Uh, I think Replay Files is a huge success, and obviously that people see that. I think it's more about like building time to create those because they are – like Lane by Lane is done live. Replay Files – or uh, Next Level, you can shoot any day of the week. It's just like a chopped up podcast with better production values in a lot of ways, whereas Replay Files is like – all right, let's go find out all that old footage, cut it up together, and tell a real story, you know? Yeah. I like uh, I, I could talk about this for a long time, I, but I, I will try not to. But I, I think all these things are good. We do a couple things here and there. Like, replay files is a thing. I'm happy you guys have the players coming on the desk. I actually think that's really valuable. It used to be a thing. I don't know why it stopped, but, like, now it's great that you guys are doing that. Feels a lot better than whenever it's like Ovali or Latigris or any of the other guys um, standing with a mic next to somebody. But, like, I really firmly believe that we will need large philosophical changes from Riot and the players and the teams and the media, everybody, in, in terms of like riding the ship, in terms of, uh, you know, making fans want to stick around, care about the stuff that is happening, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I worry that like we're not getting enough of that yet. So I'm I'm hopeful that the things that we have seen for summer continue to build and be a thing and more and more people realize that this is incredibly yeah. important. So Yeah, me too. I think it's like Mark said, I think it's been a lot better this year. All, all the additions have been great. Um I, I know that there's one bit of context. It's it's actually challenging to get pro players to film these things, like replay files yes. or like next level or whatever. Um, just because like during normal like nine to five hours, like they already have obligations. Either we're scrimming or we're you know on a game day, right? So for Riot, like they probably can't have like their whole production crew and stuff like filming at like eight p.m. or like seven p.m. like when we finish work. So um, you have to miss scrims. Um, to, to like do something like that and like we talked about incentives enough um, but the incentive doesn't line up to, to mispractice or to, to really make any sacrifice to, to be involved in something like this and I think that's a structural problem with, with no easy solution and it just kind of sucks yeah I would say the incentive is making sure that league continues so that they have games to play in uh, but that is one that's of those slow like forward thinking for, yes for that's one of those guys, like right? oh yeah. you have to think really long term yeah uh, and it's difficult you know like I yeah like people, I'll probably get flamed for saying this, but I actually, I actually think there's a world here where 
the LCS should go back to two days a week and one day should be content day. Um, <laughs> I know, I know you laugh, right? Cause it just is like, it's never going to happen. Um, but like, I just, e even in a world where like, we've got great teams that are doing fantastic. If nobody cares about those teams or the players that are doing fantastic, it's kind of a moot point, right? Like, yeah. And that's, that's my concern is like, I, I worry we're headed to a path where like, we're optimizing so much for competitive success. And yet the reality is, is that fans want that, but they want to care about the players and the storylines and all the teams more than they want the competitive success. And, um, and optimizing for this thing at the cost of all the other things I think is, is dangerous. So I don't know, but, uh, I get that it's controversial. So, uh, okay. Caller, what do you think of, wait, they left. No, they left. They left like 10 minutes ago, dude. <laughs> the caller was like, God, I bored myself with this topic. I'm leaving. Yeah, he's like, I'm really regretting that one. Well, uh, I'll do their shout outs for them. Uh, thanks so much to Alienware Game Fuel. And by the way, shout out to Travis and Mark, because you guys are just killing it. You know, I love the show. It's great to call in. And Artemis, congrats on the 3 0 weekend. Uh, and I'll catch you next time. Cool. Okay, thanks for the caller. All right. All right, so uh, we are off to grab the next caller. Uh, so many things. Thank you for the 37 months. Uh, all the dog. Thank you for the prime. <laughs> lit, lit drummer boy. Thank you for the 11 months. Uh, Plutonic Poltergeist. Thank you for the two gifted. So it's J03275 for the prime. Seth is here. Seth, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. How was the heat? Did you survive the heat wave? How bad was it? Oh, we don't have AC. I was in here sweating, bro. Oh. Like it was like 112, 114. Oh my god. Yeah, it's crazy. Like the stories I was hearing about it. But that town in Canada, That's dangerous that, like if you have no AC. Crazy records. Brutal. The, yeah. Wow. Anyway, Seth, uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, my take, which I don't even think is particularly hot, is that Spika is MVP for the league, and he's definitely like one of the only people on TSM that's actually playing well. It feels like it's like 1v9 most of the games. Like, mm. Huni's super coin flip up top. Like, sometimes he does really well, sometimes he does really bad. And I don't even want to talk about Lost and Sword Art down there. It feels kind of like a, 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 a little bit of a disaster. What and about, Poe yeah. seems like maybe three or four in the league, maybe for mid laners. Like he's not even competing with the top two other mid laners, like Jensen and Perks. Well, I'm excited about this call because normally, at least in spring, the sort of general consensus on TSM was like, "Hey, none of their players are going to be, you know, stand out top one or top two, but their strength comes from what they do as a team." You're suggesting Suika is the best player in the league or at least the MVP. Uh, and I, I want to throw it over to Mark before we get to Artemis because he's got a grin. I feel like you, ha you have... Well, I just, you know, I didn't know what the reasons would be when I saw Speaker should be the MVP of the league. And so, like, you know, I think I'm pulling a pro TSM take. And realistically, he just shit on TSM harder than I think I have in years. Like, he just was like, literally every player's dog shit, but Speaker still somehow gets them wins, except for PoE. He might be the fourth best. Jazuke in the chat says, I love this show. Uh, <laughs> uh, so like yeah. i do 
I don't know how much I can agree with all that. I mean, like, Lost and Sword Art actually had a good weekend this week. They won a bunch of 2v2s in the bot lane. Uh, yeah. yeah, I thought they were decent. Mark, is it, is it fair to say speak as the... Would you say speak as the only consistent player on that team? Because it sounds like our caller thinks a lot of them are not able to perform at the top frequently. Let's say he's probably the most consistent, him or PoE. I think that's pretty easy. Um I, off the top of my head, can't remember the last time I watched Speaker do something, and I was just like, bro, what the fuck? Whereas that's usually not that hard to think of <laughs> an instance. Um, like, like Lost, who had a great weekend, and I'm not sh shading, I just remember, like, in the second mm -hmm. game, like, they were playing weak side, and he got dove and killed when Sword Art was roaming. And it's like, I, I just, I struggle to think of moments like that. It's not even that bad, but I can't, I, I don't know what the last, like, Speaker moment was. So I, I feel like generally I agree with the caller, um, but I, I just, it's tough when I think Closer's playing better, I guess is what I'd say. It's like, I can agree with everything the caller said, except the fact that, like, I would probably right now, if I had to do my all-pro voting, put Closer ahead of him. And that just makes it hard to, to be the MVP. It's actually yeah. wild. I feel like last split we had a lot of MVP candidates. And this time, it's hard to think of too many players. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Feel free to correct me, Mark and Artemis, if I'm wrong here. But it feels like there hasn't been too many players that are just having like incredible standout performance and dominating the league. I think ABBA has been consistent, for sure. Um, I wouldn't call him dominant, but he's definitely consistent. And like... The Hunter Thieves is just a good roster. They they have a it's a good team, right? So so closer definitely benefits from having, um, you know, a strong team around him. And, and TSM is strong too. But I think that it's just important to take that context. And when you're talking about junglers, because so much of jungling right now, um, is communication and planning and how your team is going to play around waves and how you as the jungler are there to support your your laners on the the right wave at the right time and like how you work with your mid laner to to pressure early game and like attack side waves, right? So. It's, you know, jungling now is, it's a lot different than it used to be. Like, arguably, it's easier than ever. Um, like, we've seen a lot of successful role swaps to jungle, and I think that, like, Whippo has been pretty vocal that, for him, coming from top lane to jungle has been pretty easy because he understands, like, the needs of laners, and he's able to kind of put that into his mental calculus as he's doing his pathing. And with a strong understanding of lanes and, and early game, I think that he's able to jungle pretty pretty easily. And right now, he's, I mean, he's definitely looking like top three, top four, um, you know, junglers in LEC, right? So, uh, at least as far as like his performance on, on any given weekend. So I think it's it's challenging for me to, to rate junglers and I don't want to, uh, yeah, like it's a, it's a Jose Mourinho tactic. I prefer to just not speak. If I if I speak, I'm in trouble. So I, I that's what I do. So here's, yeah. here's, so for the closer thing, people say like, oh, well, closer's on the better team, yada, yada. I mean, like, I think that's true. He is on the better team. Is he's like jungle in particular is probably the most like, how's your team doing? Yeah. role in the game um but it's so hard to see too because it could be how's your team doing it but also you could be 1v9ing but like how can we know from the outside yeah. like they could be calling the waves for their laners or the laner could be calling the wave for the jungle and especially for someone like Spica, where it's like he, i would have to check quickly but i bet he has the most volibear games in the lcs right now which is like you're not going to be popping off like 1v9ing on volibear whereas like closer's playing diana probably half his games if i had to guess right now and like murdering people because they're snowballing and they're just playing a more aggressive style than TSM who's got Mundo in the top lane. <laughs> you know, like, even yeah. the game that he's playing, Zin Zhao, like, his laners are not necessarily aggressive. That game, it was Azir, Mundo, Ezreal. Like, what the fuck are you doing as Zin Zhao in that game other than trying to control the game until you outscale? 
you know, like realistically, it's he's playing a very different role, and I know that's a cop out answer, a little bit. Um, but his 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 team's meta is just so different, I think, than some other people's. All right, so it sounds like neither of you think Speaker MVP. I think it's unlikely he wins the MVP vote. That's what I will say. And and is any of the rest of the shitting on TSM stuff that Seth came through with <laughs> any of that true? Is Huni just coin flipping? I'm super biased when it comes to Huni because I've coached him across two teams and I know what he contributes to the game. So I'm like a big Huni apologist. Like I remember when TSM signed Huni, the community was just losing their fucking minds, and yeah, it was they got so over frustrating. That real quick. Yeah, and and now they're like, oh, I think Huni might be the best top in the league. It's like, well, what did you say three months ago, right? So, um, yeah, I think Huni's an exceptional player. I think he makes mistakes, as everybody does, but um, he's got a lot of value to his team that people, frankly, just don't see because they don't hear his comms and they don't really see what he brings to the game as far as planning. Like, Huni, with an advantage, Huni will make plans and win the game from start to finish, and he will communicate them and execute them as as good as anybody. So I I think that Huni is, is a great player. For sure. Seth, are you a TSM fan? I am a TSM fan. Everything that I'm saying is out of frustration. I love Huni. I think he's a close second behind uh, Fudge in a no Alfari world. And I just hate seeing this this stuff happen. I'm like, I don't know. It just sucks seeing uh, Lost be up in that situation in that dive. His lane was up like, what, 3-0? and and he just couldn't like walk around the tower to avoid the uh, the Nautilus queue, so he gets dove while his team's like securing Rift or whatever. Just frustrating to see. Well, I uh, unfortunately I triggered it a little too early, but I really like this call because I love the idea that this was a pro TSM uh, call, and then you just used it to promote and hyping up a TSM player. Yes, it's on his team. So I rewarded you the Gabe Phil victory caller of the night. Uh, Switch chat earlier was nice. like what? But I think, I just, I love it when we get a call like this. Oh, it's playing forever now. Uh, just play once, Game Field Victory Caller uh, logo. There we go. Okay. Uh, so thank you so much, Seth. Seth, hit me up on uh, Discord. Just shoot me a message, um, and I will tell you how to get access to your free Mountain Dew Game Fuel. But thank you for the, uh, the call, Seth. Anything you want to shout out before we uh, go on to our next caller? Uh, of course, shout out Mountain Dew Game Fuel and Alienware for letting my boy Travis do what he does. And uh, shout out the boys in the Discord and shout out Countdown Cannabis. Thanks so much for the call. All right. I'm a little sus about that last shout out. What is it? What, what, what did he just say? Everybody, people all have interesting ways of uh, interesting things they shout out. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Jow Y, for the Prime uh, J Dubs. Uh, Chief Xandipus. Countdown Dark, Cannabis. Oh, okay. Dark I thought it was Countdown HT. Candice. EPH. Yeah, I thought it was Candice as well. It's Kyler. Yeah. I thought it was going to be one of those Candice tricks. It's Kyler. Thank you for yeah, the 31 months. <laughs> uh, JNT is here. JNT, where are you calling from? San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas. Uh, welcome back to the show. What do you want to talk about? Uh, Golden Guardians. Oh, uh, basic. okay. Sweet. Yeah, um, I think as it stands right now and obviously artemis said you know a lot can still change and four weeks left in the season but i think on on the track that we're following right now golden guardians will make playoffs (laughs) as the eighth seed okay uh, and overtake 
CLG and FlyQuest based on the recent form. And I think, you know, with the acquisition of Solo um, mm-hmm. and Chime, well, I think Solo is a much bigger acquisition than Chime. I think yeah. the other biggest thing for that team has been Ablaze Olive's improvements and his consistency and, you know, his carrying, because I think he's actually done a lot of carrying for the Golden Guardians so far this split. And I, I think, you know, while they might not... Nas- they might not necessarily be like a strong team going into playoffs and could easily get 0-3'd right at the start. I think they're they're moving in the right direction, and I think it's a good thing. I mean, one of my concerns for them is we're, this next week is the final week of the second round robin, I believe. Yep. And this is looking like a 0-3 week for Golden Guardians because they're facing 100 Thieves, TSM, and TL. Uh, I mean, maybe they can upset didn't, didn't TL. They just, didn't they just beat TSM? Am I crazy? Uh, I think that was Green's just beat TSM You're last week, right? Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Really? Are you that crazy? Am I crazy? Didn't they beat? I think in they beat Cloud Nine, right? What am I thinking? They of? lost to Cloud Nine. They beat Cloud Nine like the in the first, first that round. That was big. Yeah. Big beat TSM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I am crazy. Um, but anyway, so like the the tough thing for them is like this is so every, you know after this we have the full round robin. But if you just want to uh, look at like how much they can edge each other out, like. Golden Guardians probably zero three this weekend, whereas CLG and FlyQuest play each other. So one of them, one of them will well at least get one win. <laughs> I guess that's where we're at now. Um, and then uh, CLG plays Dig. Like there's FlyQuest plays Immortals. There's a lot of opportunities this weekend for for those teams uh-huh. to pick up some wins. Um, so you could kind of look at the past two weeks for. For Golden Guardians and say like, okay, well they probably played some easier teams, whereas FlyQuest and CLG now are going to play some easier teams, and like, you have to really hope Travis, that they're going to like pick stuff up. Mark, you disagree? They are the easier teams. True, true. I I feel like I don't think Golden Guardians are suddenly like these world beaters who are going to be taking games off. That's my you know, point. T- they're going to go. They're going to zero. But go they zero don't through this weekend. They don't need to beat those teams. They don't need to. So they're, for context. CLG and FlyQuest are tied for 8th with 9 wins, and Golden Guardians is 10th with 8 wins. That is so, my point. Right. My point is that they, like, everybody have, plays another round robin. But this mm-hmm. weekend, CLG and FlyQuest the, have... The season doesn't end this weekend, Travis. I, I know. I am saying... Okay. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me get it out. I am saying if you have a whole other round robin, there's a good chance that... Golden Guardians will be entering that round robin with a bigger gap between them sure. and FlyQuest and CLG than they have right now. So, so I'm two games that, back, three games back, we can say, sure. Right, and so sure. I think there's a... My concern for Golden Guardians is they have to really push hard in that final round robin. It is not necessarily as easy as it looks right now based yeah. off of the standings because of their schedule this specific weekend. Okay, how about uh, some actual analysis um <laughs> golden guardians like golden guardians does things in game right they don't actually just like do nothing which is what a lot of teams do like golden guardians will actually try and play early game like they will play like aggressive compositions like they will use mid jungle prior to dive side lanes and like they will like they will try and win the game and i yeah like i think that they they just beat clg and they just beat FlyQuest. so i think that they will i, I could expect them to continue to beat both of those teams um, and I don't think like I don't think Golden Guardians are that bad. Like I I know in our game against them nice. specifically, like um, from from what my players said, like the, at least like they'll fight right. And like yeah, like they they don't always fight that well, but they 
they have more to them than I think a lot of people see from the outside. And I think that Golden Guardians will make playoffs. I don't think... Yeah, I think they're going to make playoffs. That's my hot take. I, I would be more surprised if they didn't, I guess. I'm with you. They should have beat you guys after uh, the... <laughs> <laughs> the the Brom engages the engages on Brom. I thought I thought that they were coming back in the game. I thought a Blaze All yeah. was playing decent, you know, yeah. and like they had won a I couple mean, fights in a row. And then I mean, yeah. Sixaven just tweeted like, like an hour yeah. ago, memeing himself for <laughs> walking up to Ignar. Yeah. But I mean, it was it was their game to win, right? Like I think that we were in a winning position that game clearly up until like six or seven minutes, and then we didn't understand how to transfer our advantage across the map and actually like slam the game home. And we made a mistake, and then from there on, like I think GG actually had a lot of control in that game. Um, we weren't really able to find much of a foothold. Some of that was Nocturne, and also a lot of that was our um, failure to play mid game correctly. Like we should have taken top T1 at I think like 17:40. Top T1 should have fallen, and then there was like I think we had two more windows to take top T1 if we transfer pressure correctly at like 22 and 25 minutes, and we didn't take top T1 until like 30 minutes in that game. So just overall, I think it was a poor game from us compared to um, like our previous two games. And, and also like not to discredit Golden Guardians, like I said before, I actually think they did a lot of things right in that game. Um, and I would be I'd be surprised if they lost to CLG and Flacos. I, I think uh, I believe in them. I think they can do it. I'm with you. I think, uh, I mean, FlyQuest is just kind of depressing to watch right now. I actually feel like the best way for FlyQuest to make playoffs is probably put in their academy roster because... <laughs> They they like right now they just like you're saying about making plays and stuff like FlyQuest just yeah. feels so so lifeless and like whenever they do make their play it's like it almost always feels like this desperation like well why not kind of play, um, yeah. and CLG I mean I don't this is gonna sound pretty flamey but like okay my set three a week where they pulled out this comp they look pretty <laughs> bad and I know you can't just eliminate wins you know like but yeah I mean they beat like, us they beat us with the freaking bongos so. Yeah, they, they bongoed you, they bongoed yeah. 100 Zodia. Thieves and stuff. But but they're they're 4 and 11 for in summer. FlyQuest is 3 and 12 and Golden Guardians is 5 and 10. And like I said, if you want to call that shit cheese, you know, counter larger gaming only has one non-cheesy win, you could argue. If you wanted to be like pessimistic about it in the second so, open. Yeah. I get it. nobody cares in summer yeah. about this, but I I do not think those numbers you just quoted for summer record will probably look different after this weekend. I mean, they will. I mean, they will 100% look different. But like, I'm just saying, well, like, five questions CLG play. So of course, one of them has to win. Right. But I feel like the point that we're making is that Golden Guardians will beat other teams other than the two teams like directly above them, whereas yeah. FlyQuest yeah. and CLG will not. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, so, like, I think, so you guys think it's we'll not a hot take, even that Golden Guardians goes to to play it, playoffs. No, that's that's a reasonable take. That's a cold I, take. I feel like they can Dang. beat Dig. I feel like they can beat Immortals if yep. those teams aren't playing well. Uh, they all depends. If they're not playing well, sure, yeah, sure, maybe. sure, sure. Yeah, if they low roll, then yeah, for sure. Low roll. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's been he's been he's been with Jazuke too long. Yeah, Everything's yeah, yeah. Exactly. These are fucking best <laughs> ones, guys. It's not like like we're playing our best game every game. Like yeah, if you win, right. you're better. Like I know, I know. I just love one, the like, the reference. Um, it's mean, all. That uh, Artemis just thinks of this as like a an RPG he's playing with I'm just, his characters. This he's is like, me. yeah, my players they have a lot of variants. I mean, we can hit twenty sometime, but like when you have the dagger, which cheese. hits which hits quickly with low variance, or you have the axe. Yeah, yeah. Jizuke, you know, like some of these players are the axe. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, I will go out and say I don't think Golden Guardians is making it to playoffs. Uh, I guess I have the hot take, which is they're not going to go. Something will happen on CLG or or FlyQuest or Golden Guardians that will will curse them because I think they're going to be at a bigger deficit after this weekend, and I don't know, and I think CLG or FlyQuest will pick up enough games that like they'll be able to maintain the difference enough. Um, for Which it. one? What's that? Which one? Which one of CLG Caller? and JNT here challenging me for this uh um, you just gotta got pick one i i think FlyQuest is more and more of a free fall so i think it's FlyQuest and golden guardians that don't go on clg somehow sneaks in because that's like the classic clg the classic clgs they'll have like a 3-0 weekend in their final week or something like that which will sneak them in and people will be like oh they've got it and then they'll get 3-0'd in their first best of five in in playoffs so that's the narrative i'm that's the script that i'm predicting um i've seen this play out before uh, Raz has clipped and bookmarked this, so I'm excited for when it ends up on his Twitter. Uh, when Golden Guardians going. pick one, <laughs> just pick oh. one. Hey, JNT, uh, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we take a quick break? No, that's good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you sound so, you sound so defeated, my friend. No, I, well, I, I was surprised to hear that. You know, both Travis and Artemis thought that that wasn't a hot take per se. You mean Mark? Because um, I think. Artemis. Oh, who did I say? Oh, so yeah, I said Travis. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought, it, like you like you kind of mentioned, I think they do have like more work to do. They're still one win behind, and they do still have to, for sure, beat FlyQuest CLG, and then most likely will have to take a game or two off of like a Dignitas or an Immortals, because it's going to be very difficult for them to take a game off any of the top five right now. So I think it's possible, and I think, you know, based off what we've seen so far, it's the most likely outcome. All right, well, thanks, JNT, for the call, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. All right, taking a quick break to talk about Game Fuel. By the way, thank you uh, to everyone who took up the challenge that I had against Courage last week. If you are if you are ordering uh, your Courageous Sherbet flavors, which I actually, do they still have, I, they, I believe they still have some of the zero-calorie ones, but I don't know if they have the regular flavor but go check it out uh you can go go to gamefield.com in fact i'll just pull it up gamefield.com slash travis and use code travis to save on on your actually it looks like they still have some of the creative sherbet okay so you can still tie i my guess is this stuff is going to sell out because it sold out i think in their first announcement they were able to bring it back so uh go go check it out on their site use code uh travis when you check out and then tweet at them if you're getting your your shipment soon because maybe you ordered it last week well, this is my reminder to please tweet at Gamefield and let them know that on behalf of the best looking and most athletic partner they have travis gafford you purchased the wonderful uh creative sherbet and let them know so that they feel incentivized to uh to make sure that i get my own flavor in the future that's the dream but thanks everyone who did that. Um, and for those of you that missed it, it's a special flavor they have right now in partnership with Courage. So if you've tried Gamefield in the past, maybe try give it a try. And uh, actually, I'm out now of of the the flavor because um, I had it. It was all they sent me some, and I can't even get it now. So I might buy some with code Travis. Anyway, thanks so much to Gamefield for sponsoring the show. We love you. Use code Travis. Uh, check out. Use the link in the description. If you're watching on YouTube, and I will uh, go ahead and pop it into the Twitch chat as well right now. 
thanks everyone for uh, your support. Thank you to Gamefield for uh, sponsoring the show. All right, Mark, you want to go grab one of our, our two final callers here? We're in the past 20 minutes of the show. Uh, all right, Mark just ran off to grab them. Nordifield, thank you. Nordified, thank you for the resub. It's Kyler, EPH, uh, JDubs, 404. I believe I got. Oh, and the Real Divert, uh, Indigo, Fog, and Team Corgi Mid. Team Corgi Mid, I haven't seen you in a while, but I always recognize your name. Thank you for the 18 months. You're fantastic. Okay. Oh, boy. Uh, Tom Shu himself here noted. He's, it's it's restrained tonight. It's it's a restrained Tom okay. Shu. All right. Yeah, it's, it's it's very quiet today. I was gonna come in here all hype and give everyone their their biweekly dose, but uh, it's already eleven forty. I'm tired. I got to go to work tomorrow. So. Okay. Well, what is your your short take tonight? Yeah. Sure. So uh, I remember uh, earlier in the call, uh, Artemis was sort of talking about how well Danny was doing. Uh, you know, sort of acclimate to the LCS, and I would I would generally agree that you know he's he's been doing really well and showing some of the some of the mechanics that we like to see out of those uh, you know those young players and the hands that we want. Um, I was, I'm more interested in trying to understand the process that goes into you know taking someone you know like Danny out of you know like a, a much lower competitive level like amateur and immediately plucking them into LCS and. I know there's a, a lot of, you know, a lot of adjustment that kind of needs to go on. And we've often seen that taking someone from not Academy or who hasn't been crushing Academy and, you know, plucking them right into LCS and expecting them to, you know, kind of go out there and smurf has sometimes not had the the best results in <laughs> Golden Gardens. But the, yeah, but the, it seems like, um you know, it seems like you guys have managed to pull it off pretty well. And uh, I kind of want to hear more about the, uh, you know how how that's kind of you know worked out over the last couple. Tom weeks. Tom Shu heavily incentive or heavily uh, motivated right now to find out how you bring a player in from development uh, that you believe in and and make them perform on stage uh, for yeah. non personal reasons. So this is totally a yeah, damn take. Doesn't yeah, want it, to leak it to Dignitas. No, it's it's yeah. very it's very easy to, to to come on stage and choke, but he, he's done well. I will be honest. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Artemis, what do you think? It was a big project for Evil Geniuses in the offseason to prepare to bring a true rookie, 17 years old, just graduating high school, into LCS. So much planning and conversation was involved in this, and I think that we're executing reasonably well. Uh, personally, I've been really pleased with Danny um, inside and out of game. I think he's doing great. Like A lot of what I was focusing on in the beginning of the season was just making sure that he was acclimating to life in Los Angeles because for him, he's a 17-year-old kid who was just doing high school in quarantine like with his family, right? So he's going from really only interacting with his fam... Um, Oregon. He's from Oregon, I believe. Um, Pacific Northwest. Um, Washington? Maybe Washington? Okay, don't quote me. Actually, I think Washington now. Anyway, um... Regardless of that, like, it's a huge transition for somebody to go from being in high school online, only living with family inside of a pandemic, and moving to Los Angeles and now living on your own, in your own apartment, going to work every day, like, having to socialize with people, having to be a productive member in a work environment, and, like, understanding, like, how to navigate this process. And I think that for for Dan, like, that was definitely something that was an adjustment for him, and it's something that he's continuing to get better at every day, and he's getting better quickly. And which is really cool to watch. Like it, it's super cool for me to watch Dan and just like interact with his teammates in practice, in game, out of game, like 
super pleased with how he's adjusting and also just shout out to Danny he's just such a resilient kid like what a hard thing to do like when I was 17 like I, I don't think that I would have done nearly as good a job as Dan like I was a mess at 17 I'll, I'll own that but um, you know Dan has done incredibly well in Los Angeles he's doing very well in practice and as far as like on stage performance I think that the the reason that Danny can perform so well is because we don't ask him to do too much like we just ask him to do his job and he understands what his job is in this roster and we have really really good pieces around him that support him in game from start to finish in lane mid game late game like he can trust his teammates that they have his back like we are looking out for Dan and we are like trying to like make sure that Dan can perform to his best and we're getting you know the we're getting returns on that investment like we're, we're there for dan and he is absolutely demolishing team fights and doing some pretty cool stuff like i uh i i thought it was super cool that he had like his first like really like clippable highlight play uh, i think it was in our saturday game where he did the the ult flash auto gale force cancel auto q and just one shot the various like that's fun for me to watch as just like a dan fan right um and he was so low-key about it he's just like like yeah, like, like that's so basic to Dan. Like, he he's such a mechanical fighter. Like, the, the way he team fights is is really really nice. And I think that we just try and play to his strengths. Um, he's got a lot of work to do. I'll be the first to say that he's still got a lot of work to do. I think that there are big holes in his game for sure, um, which is natural because he's only been playing competitive League of Legends for like a year, a year and a half. Like, he he started an amateur less than two years ago. Like, never played competitive League of Legends before two years ago, and now he's. On the LCS stage, and he's looking like one of the best AD carries in the league. Like he needs to stay humble. Like like I said, like he's got a lot to work on still. But when we ask him to do his job, he does that and he executes. So uh, overall, TLDR, I'm so so happy with Dan and um, just really impressed with him. Like what a what a well-adjusted young man who's just crushing it in LCS. And Mark, I, what your, oh yeah, go ahead. Well, so I I had to follow up a little bit about the. Um... You talk about like, oh, we had to do a lot of work to get him ready and stuff. It feels like in North America, a 17-year-old coming on and joining a team and doing decently is like not that common. Uh, it does yeah, happen, almost, but unheard of. Yeah, like, it's, it's generally was the last one. Yeah, I mean, Spica, I think he was 18 when he subbed in, but that was a disaster situation. He might have been 19, but like, you know, teenagers, 17 to 19 in the LCS joining is not very common but around the world in lpl and lck it's not that unheard of so for north america do you think that there's something where there's just a dearth of these players that like the orgs are doing a good job finding them but they there aren't that many do you think it's that they can't find them or do you think it's that they do find them but fail in preparing them when you're talking about these sorts of like uh hurdles that you had to you know make sure that he could clear yeah I, I don't know what it's like for other teams. Um, I, I do think that there's talent in NA for sure. Dan's an example of that. Um, we have several examples of that inside Evil Geniuses, um, which you know we're, we're very proud of. But I think that you know when I said that there was a lot of work to be done, like to get ready, like a lot of that was work for us, like not for Dan. Like that was work for me. That was work for Peter. You know, Nasser, Kelsey, Andrew, just just so many people at EG like had to get educated, get in the right mindset, get prepared to help this young man adjust to a completely alien environment and to new life and not only help him adjust, but help him succeed fast because there's damage that's done to a player if they come in and they have a bad performance. You know, even if it, that's unfairly so, there is damage. Like if a rookie comes in, like Niles is a great example. Like Niles, it, he was not ready for LCS and he was brought in and did not perform well. 
Um, and I think that he like definitely suffered for that as far as community perception goes. And I'm actually um, just shout out to Golden Guardians for like not just kicking him to the curb and like still working with him and developing him and taking their time with him. Like I think that's commendable because I think that uh, in other cases like he might have just been cut, which would have been you know tragedy because I, I do think that he has talent. Um, and yeah, I think that there there's just so much work to be done for an organization to help somebody transition, but. Also, it is a little bit of luck of the draw because, like I said, so much of this credit has to go to Dan himself. Like, it's so difficult to do what he did. I don't think I would have done as well as he's done at 17. I don't think many of us would have done as well as he's done at 17, coming into a new environment and performing a professional sport at an elite level. It's ludicrous when you actually kind of step back and examine it for what it is. It's super, super impressive. So all the credit should go to Dan. Yeah, well, and that also... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, yeah, that also raises a, a bit of a follow-up question because not only you had to go through the you know the whole process of bringing him over here, but I remember during the initial announcement that Danny was you know going to the coming to the LCS, and I think during the initial the initial rollout, uh, something I think Peter Dunn said something that uh, like we wouldn't have we wouldn't have made been comfortable making this decision if we didn't have the amount of data on Danny that he did. And that yeah. kind of leads into my question here is like, what made you essentially, you know, comfortable enough to, to, to make this kind of decision, you know, bringing this, this, this kid to the LCS? Because I know it's a, you know, it's, it's a big risk. You're essentially, you know, yeah. dropping your current LCS AD carry and, and yeah. taking someone who's almost completely unproven onto the big stage. So many push and pull factors for that decision. And I don't know if I can really get into them all, but I think that if you kind of zoom out for a second and think about the context of Evil Geniuses this year and the context of Evil Geniuses next year and the context of our spring performance, like that at a high level will, like, will give you some guidance. But then as far as Dan specifically, like um, we have really good scouts at Evil Geniuses. Um, like Nasser is like our head scout. He does that full time. Like he's excellent. But also like as coaches, I think that we have good, good scouts on our staff, our coaching staff as well. And it was apparent to us that this kid is a naturally gifted player and he's a better team, fire than L team fighter than LCS AD carries. Like it was obvious just watching him play. So um, we knew that he would struggle in other areas, but we were confident that if we could get his mindset correct for performance, like as long as... Um, you know, those externalities were taken care of and he could perform at his level, even if he didn't know the intricacies of, of landing at a pro level, even if he didn't, didn't understand like a lot of like early pressure-based macro, like we can teach him these things, like these things will take time, but right off the bat, like we knew what we were getting and we were getting like a, a sharp weapon. Like Dan is an exceptional team fighter and that is really a strength that we've asked him to lean into and we've asked him to do his job and carry games and he's done that. So we're, we're super pleased with him. And I know Travis probably wants to move on, but I have one last follow-up question. Wait, no uh, no I know... questions, because uh, we, we do have we have time. To, look, I will give you 60 seconds, and then I will give Artemis 60. Actually, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to ask, and then I'll give Artemis 60 seconds to answer, starting now. Okay, yeah, so this is just more so talking about like how oftentimes we kind of have the perception that a lot of AD carries kind of play right-click roles. And, you know, bringing Danny from, like, the LC, or, like, from uh, amateur to LCS, like, do you think, like, him being, like, an AD carry would make that transition easy easier? Essentially, what I'm trying to get at is that, 
like say if you had to import from or come in from have someone come Five in seconds. from a different role <laughs> like top or jungle or mid or support would that be more difficult as opposed yes. to this okay. current role Artemis, yes 60 Ab seconds. absolutely 60 seconds T tell me when I've, I've used my time but i think top is the worst to bring a rookie into top lane in lcs is stacked um you have so many people with like so much international experience so years and years of international experience that they understand every matchup to its fine fine details and you're just going to get punished over and over and over again until you learn. And like Revenge went through some really serious growing pains in LCS, and like now he's starting to really get it. And like now, like Revenge can actually lane. Um, and like we're seeing pretty strong performances from Revenge, and that's why Immortals like is having a strong resurgence because you know he's actually not getting exploited, and he's like a, he's a pretty talented kid, I think. So uh, yeah, I think that A to carry is much easier than top lane, and I think that um, it is one of the best roles to bring somebody into because just naturally you're paired with somebody already, uh, and Ignar is a fantastic person to pair Dan with and teaches Dan a lot. Very good. Or hey, thanks so much, uh, Tom Shu, for the call. Anything you want to shout out? All right, can I? All right, first of all, I need everyone just to shut up for a second. Y'all hear that? You know that's the that's the absolute silence of the fucking Yasui haters after this two one weekend. Did you actually did you actually see some of those performances yesterday? And people were actually like shitting on me on the Reddit thread, going through like, oh, you suck. I'm hovering the oh, look at that. You absolutely got you absolutely got thanks, fucking silenced. Like, let's call. fucking. Mark, was Tom Love was, was Yasui as good as Tom Shu believes he was this past weekend? Uh, so I was also reading that Reddit thread, and it was funny. Um, I would say it's it's actually somewhere in the middle. Like he had one of his better weekends. Like that Silas game, it was decent for part of it. But then there was a Sahara. I wonder if he could have done more. You know, I think he easily could have. I don't yeah. know. I mean, mid lane's a lot like top lane. Not the place to, for, for a rookie to bring in without problems. So he's he's got some growing pains to work through. Um, I think if you were to ask a LCS mid laner what they thought of Yasui, they would probably tell you something different than what Tom Shu would tell you. We so did, actually. His name is Jensen. And he a political a, way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Jensen, Jensen, we did ask Jensen, and uh, Jensen yeah. did say something different than what Tom Shu yeah. said. Yeah, I'm sure he did. All right. Uh, <laughs> Mark, you want to grab our final caller? Yeah. Okay, uh, the real diver. Thank you for the uh, five months. Indigo Fog, Team Corgi Man. Oh, and then Rice. Rice gift gifted a sub. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Brandon Star is here, or Bra Braden Star. Is that it? Brad Bra Braden. Yeah, Braden. Braden Star. Braden Star. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, so my take is, uh, basically there's been more roster changes in the middle of this split or right before than usual. And I feel like orgs have done a really bad job communicating that with fans in the community. Hmm. Uh, Zavin out, Alfari out, Dardock out, and we never really heard anything about them for the most part. I think the LCS should implement required player statements from players who are affected by roster changes. Required player statements? Can you elaborate a little yeah. bit on that? Yeah, so, like, I don't think it has to be anything too extreme. Like, it could be a tweet. It could be some press conference. I don't know. I just think Chipotle the orcs versus... haven't done a great job. Wait, go ahead. Say that again. Like a Chipotle tweet? Would that do it for you? Yeah, Chipotle tweet does – I just don't think it hits the mark. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like they could do a better job. I feel like more players should do the Chipotle tweet, actually. That was the best. See, I would be okay best. with that, too. I – Okay. Here's the problem.
uh, Brainstar, you are a pro player who is being paid $750,000 a year to play for a team. And you are either sucking or you are being a jerk in the eyes of your teammates or something. I don't know. But there's some reason why your team is going to bench you. And then you are required to put out a tweet. And you know that, like, contractually you can be fined by your org for saying something that is you know, non-complimentary to the, the team or the org. I mean, I think a lot of people just don't realize that that's like a thing. Um, well, and you know, you want to be back on the team and you know, you don't want to be like dropped by the org in the middle of summer. Cause you probably, maybe it's like difficult to get on another team or something like that. Like, what do you put into that statement in that moment? Because I feel like you're looking for a statement where like somebody comes out and is like, Hey, uh, I just got benched and like, I think it's bullshit and blah, but I just feel like it's unlikely that a, a player is ever going to do something like that. Uh, sure. So I totally get where you're coming from, but I have, a, I feel like I have a good response. So let's say, and I don't think the LCS has particularly like a LeBron James caliber player, but let's say you're LeBron James and you get benched and this, as you said, you said 750,000 dollar salary um if you get benched people are gonna want to know why you got benched and they're gonna expect you to say something so let's say you're lebron james you get benched and you don't say anything for a month i'm referencing like zvin here i guess um people are still gonna want to hear something and you can say something especially if you're making seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year you can afford to take like a slap on the wrist fine i don't know uh, that's just my take I guess. these guys won't even like self-fund the players association they are not interested in like they they don't like the idea of spending money including uh on a fine yeah. i guess mark i'm actually kind of curious in traditional sports like do the players ever speak out if they end up i don't know benched or whatever i i get that benchings in traditional sports are not the way they are in in esports because yeah. sometimes you just don't get played for a little bit yeah but i'm i'm curious like if if some star player did end up on the bench for a while <laughs> do they ever say anything I mean, there's like Antonio Brown, right? Like he he said a lot. I I mean, like you do you do have players who say things. Well, I don't know, Mark. Can you, can you think of other good examples? Not off the top of my head, but I feel like there's there's two kinds of players. I think it happens Gen often, but yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like it does happen often because a lot of times players can't avoid avoid a microphone being shoved in their face. Yeah. Where I feel like it's easier in esports to just go silent, like um, press conferences, uh, you know, media days, these kinds of things are just like more, more rabid. I mean, mm -hmm. like you even have fucking paparazzi, you know, like depending That's on how true. big you are. Yeah. I should so, have like, found Sven somewhere in LA and demand. Why didn't you actually? Probably not that hard. Yeah. I mean, I mean th this Jerry in chat is making a great point. Like Aaron Rodgers straight up, like refusing to play, like, cause he wants to be traded. Like if somebody did that at LCS, I'm not saying it's never happened, but like, if the public found out that a player did that in LCS, like it would, it would be bananas. But like people do that stuff in traditional sports, and people are just like, yeah, you know, they stick it yeah, in there. And, and... and I was gonna say, there's also like someone says Kawhi didn't say anything. I mean, like there are some players who are like, but Kawhi's also a really quiet guy and really team first, and like you know, he's yeah. just not the type of player who would ever speak out. So like you, you, you have both spectrums, but um, I feel like just it's a much bigger media circus in traditional sports that makes it harder to not get something out of someone. Whereas it's pretty easy like to button down the hatches in, in esports. Yeah.
I mean, I think a lot of that is the teams control access to the players in esports in a way that, to my understanding, they don't necessarily in in traditional sports. Because I think in traditional sports, like players, okay, I apologize. Let's step back. This is a, a bit of me like. I'm not an expert on this stuff, but my, the sense I get is that like age, like a lot of players, especially popular players in traditional sports have their own agents and their own PR people and their own stuff. And so like, they are not as like under the wing. Like if a, if a, a media person wants to go reach out and do an interview with a player, you don't, that doesn't, to my understanding, always run through a team and the way that does in esports, like I like teams get yeah. very upset if I go ask a player for an interview and then we conduct an interview without the team ever knowing, um, and that, to my understanding, that is not something that, uh, with the way that it works in traditional sports. Uh, but I will admit my ignorance on this cause I'm not an expert on tra traditional sports media stuff. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, it is, it is a very different situation. Um, I don't know. I do, I do I wish, mean Go ahead, Brandon Star. I was gonna say so for the for the caller's sake about the players having to put out a statement. I mean, like, I generically like the idea. I mean, that way you don't you can at least hear from the player when it happens. I mean, like, I think you have to really workshop it because otherwise it's gonna just turn into like generic PR fest and like people are gonna find like the copy pasting that they're all gonna do. Um, and even then, you know, like, it feels like that already happens a little bit like so many of the things are like we're rewarding this player and giving them a chance and like you know we already talked about this a bunch of times but a lot of that feels like bs um so i don't know i, I feel like the the idea is okay uh wouldn't hurt i would say but i feel like it, it wouldn't ultimately get the desired result well I guess we'll see how things unfold. I don't, unless the unless the agents and the players association can do something to kind of like break out the players from the team dynamic, then I think it's going to be really hard to uh, to see something like this happen. And I can't imagine like Riot is so beholden to the teams on this type of stuff that I can't imagine them doing something that would like upset the teams when it comes to giving helping the players get like voices to like trounce them. I also like the vibe I get on the riot side too is that riot probably doesn't like that type of stuff or they think it's like bad for the league or whatever. So, uh, Braden star, thank you for the call. Is there anything you want to shout out here at the end? Yeah, no, I appreciate you uh, taking my take long time listener for some color. Um, just wanted to throw that out there cause I feel like the radio silence is kind of bad, but I just want to shout out my friends, uh, Dylan and wonky. Uh, we also listen to the show together. So y'all have a good night. Thank That's you, uh, Brayden, for Thanks, the call. Man. Really appreciate it. Yeah. I'll take it easy. All right. That is I will say, oh, Travis, yes. that we definitely want we, – we're down with spice. I can't speak for all the way up the food chain, but at least the people I, I work with directly – Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you the broadcast. talk shit. We got stuff yes. to say. I get the broadcast, and like you and, and your dive colleagues and all that, would like to be able to talk about that stuff. I get the feeling that from a league op side, I doubt that they appreciate the drama as much. Um, Cause I feel like they think it's like a reputational hit. Like I cer <laughs> it certainly seems like the, uh, the import rule conversation was not something that they appreciated. Uh, but maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe these things are only stuff that transcends the, the, you know, the player dynamic that they don't like. Very good. Well, Hey, 
Mark, that's the show. So before we get to Artemis, what do you what do you want to shout out? What do you want to promote? Want to give a second shout out to any doctors who know why I would be feeling an icy coldness in my stomach slash abdomen region that seems to move around a little bit. Um, also a little bit of pain. Doesn't feel like I, I a regular, you know, like, ooh, I'm sore from working out. So, you know, anyone want to let me know what's wrong with me? It sounds great. Do you, do you not have insurance? I do. Okay. I'm on the Kaiser Permanente Catastrophic Plan, which I'm pretty sure is like... Go to man. You're bleeding in your abdomen. You're going to die tonight in your sleep. Go to the doctor. Like, what, what do you well, want me to I say? I pretty good. It's been, it's been a day and a half. It's been What's like two blood days. Pressure? You should I get a blood pressure you. cuff, and as soon as that drops, you go to the ER. I'm feeling great. I feel like I could <laughs> run a mile right now. Well, for me, um, I just, you know, just in case, if anybody ever is interested in being a temporary co-host for a couple of weeks. Uh, if my never is out of commission and is unable to perform his co-hosting duties, please let me know. Um, maybe we'll get Tom Shu on because I know that he's, you know, he can oh. he can do the whole show by himself. Uh, Artemis, what do you want to plug? What do you want to shout out? Well, first, thanks for having me on, Mark and Travis. It was a good time. Thanks yeah, for thank the call, been calling in. Um, yeah, it has been a bit. Always happy to be on Hotline League. Always happy to talk LCS. Uh, it was fun to talk draft a little bit too, so thanks. Um, only shout out I have is for my team. Shout out my, my players, Impacts, Fenskarin, Contracts, Jizuke, Danny, and Ignar. Um, all these guys are exceptionally talented, exceptionally hardworking, and just really kind, awesome people. Uh, super grateful that I can work with them every day. So shout out to you guys, and then shout out to my staff too. Um, you know, Peter, Turtle, Mash, Nasser, uh, you guys know who you are. So shout out to, to people at EG. Uh, let's keep crushing it. Very good. Well, it's that time of the night where Mark is using Twitch chat to talk about his stool. So uh, I guess we need to wrap this, wrap this up so I can talk to him some more. Yeah, we need to wrap this up. Uh, if you're if you are watching live, stick around because I'm going to um, I have a whole bunch of stuff, including a what I think is like a half hour long speaker interview that I might air on. I could be coerced to air early on stream. Um, but if you are watching this on youtube or on spotify or whatever go check i'm dropping a ton of crazy stuff so i have something with the lec commissioner uh talking about the shalka sale i have uh the speaker interview i have uh oh tomorrow on rift reaction emily and i are speaking to which is available on spotify emily and i are having ender on as a guest co-host so we're going to talk about uh, some lec stuff there um and then i'm going to do an interview with him afterwards so that'll be up too so there's just a lot going on at travis gafford industries right now uh so thanks oh and and run it will be returning this week uh, we had a week off because i was working on that survey video which i'd love to have more people take a look at so uh but there's just a lot of content coming down the pipeline right now so thanks to everyone uh for tuning in this has had been and thank you to armis for being here as well it's been hotline league episode 180